Welcome to Engaging the Truth Team, where we express the love and truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, sometime this afternoon, my spirit started singing a song. And for some of us who are close to me, you know that the Spirit of God speaks to me a lot through songs. I have gotten powerful confirmations of a prayer of, of something that I'm not sure of, just through songs. You know, I will just be in, by myself and I'll wake up and then the song that comes to my mind that time would pointer, and most often than not, could be, is a pointer to what God wants to do or what God is doing at that time. And so my spirit, my spirit was singing a particular Yoruba, old Yoruba song that I've heard. And I've not heard that song in maybe, maybe two years now. I don't even, I don't have the song. When my spirit started singing it, I had to go and download it, look for it on the internet and prayed it. Because you need to learn as a child of God to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't struggle. So sometimes the Holy Spirit, all he gives you is just a nudging. He will not shout. He will just give you a nudging. And you just feel like that is what God wants me to do. That is all you need to know anyway. And so I had to pray in that song. And one of the prayers I prayed is what I want you to pray this time around as I extend from the same system, from the same vessel that I have also drunk from. I want you to pray, first of all, that right now, Satan, get thee behind me, in the name of Jesus. I want you to enter into your warfare spirit. The Bible says that when Jesus was speaking with Peter, and he was talking about how he will die on the cross, hope you are praying, hope you are not just listening to me, you are praying. Please keep on praying now. Rashate sanani katalia, zeshatalazadia yed katolizaliadenia. I want you to begin to pray. The Bible says when Jesus was talking to Peter about the purpose of his life, why he was on death, Peter was saying, no, you will not go through that route. And, the, and Jesus says, Satan, get thee behind me. The Bible says when Satan was battling with Michael for the body of the Bible says Michael, the archangel, did not use an abusive word, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. Even the Lord my God rebuke you. That is all he said. Let me tell you, sometimes Satan does not even pass his boundary. Sometimes what he is asking about, what is claiming may be right, but I care less, I care not, I do not care what the devil is claiming. The fact that it is coming from the devil means that it is coming from an enemy. And because it's an enemy, the Lord fight against you, Satan. Hope you are praying if over my life. The Lord fight against you. Let the, let the host of, of heaven rise up and defend me. That is the second prayer point now. Lord, send your hosts to defend me in the name of Jesus. Right now, oh Lord, where my name is being mentioned, in the spirit, in the physical, where my life is being talked about, let your spirit go, Lord, and defend me in the name of Jesus. 
Of your praying, of your praying. Let your spirit go ahead now and defend me, O God. The first prayer point, Satan, by the word of the Lord, in the name that is above all names, in the name of Jesus, get thee behind me. Second prayer point, O Lord God, arise and defend me, in the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Father, we pray as we go into the study of your word today. And as we expound your truth, Lord, let your word come to us live and let your truth be revealed in the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. I want to welcome you to this meeting again. It's always a privilege for us to come together, for me to be, you know, to share the word of God with you. And I tell you this, put a testament to any better than you, maybe me being better than you, no, it is just a privilege. And the word that is coming out, I tell you this for free, most of this word that come out during less of truth are not a product of my preparation. So I see them as a privilege for me to speak them to you like this. And that's why myself too, I spend the time, a lot of times to listen to these messages again. Because like I like I like I like I tell you, they are not words that I have premeditated or just reading to you a script, not at all. Today we'll come to an exciting topic and I want you to open your Bibles. I've told you before to always come with a Bible to let's talk truth. Even though we take the format of a lecture of something that expounds the truth of God's word using the tools of, of apologetics, we still dwell on the Bible. It is not history apologetics or cultural apologetics. It is, it is Christian apologetics. While I read from Psalms chapter 8, follow me to the book of Psalms chapter 8, I'm going to read from verse 1. O Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth, that's actually where I am going, verse 2 and 3. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, not adults and aged people. Out of the mouth of insignificant items, out of the mouth of simple things that you will easily overlook, out of the mouth of babes and sufferings, and ordain strength because of thy enemies, that thou mightest steal, embarrass, amaze, that you might you might put the enemy in awe, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. I want to tell you this before we go on in this meeting, that whenever you come to this doctrine like this, there are a lot of things that the Lord dishes out at the same time. And sometimes these information, these details are too much for me to understand how God could reveal so much within such times that we spend at less doctrine. And so I want you to do yourself a favor. Number one, Wrap attention to the words. No matter how my mouth is fat, that's my style. No matter how much I speak with energy, that is the it is the testament of the fire burning within. I want you to be attentive enough. Speak the ones that apply to you. When I minister, 
when the Lord is speaking like this, it might just be that prayer session that we have now. That is all for you. That is for you. But if you are not attentive enough, if you are not paying loud attention, maybe you're pressing your phone as you're listening to me, or in a place that is that is you know that is noisy, I'm not able to concentrate enough. Let me tell you something. You might miss out of the detail, the little tiny detail that is meant for you in the big chunk of the message of that day. What I'm saying is this is in a short while. It may not be all of the message that is meant for you. It might just be a part. It might just be a little. What does the Bible say in the Old Testament? It says, hear a little, bear a little. That is how it is. We get a little here. We get a little there. And from the words that are spoken out to the one that is applicable to you. And I pray for you, you will not miss out in the name of Jesus. I bring that verse two again. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings as thou ordained strength because of an enemies. The Lord wants me to quickly tell you something. This is not part of the message, but this is a message for somebody that there are small things that you've been overlooking in your life small instructions of god that you've been breaking small corrections of god that you have been repeating for a long time and you are refusing to take them because they don't seem like a big deal to you understand this that god that we deal with that god that we serve he ordains his own grace he ordains the majesty of his own strength out of the mouth of babes, people that are still learning how to call daddy, people that are still out of, out of insignificant items, out of those things, he ordains strength. Let me let, let me let me go on the paradox of that first a little bit. It is it is usually not possible for you to use the words babes and strength in the same sentence grammatically. Why? Because strength is usually accompanied or strikes used with people who are old. You don't use babies for strength. Babies are not strong. But look at the beauty of the first hair. Out of the mouth of babies. It's enough. It, 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 it didn't stop there. It went further to now make us to wonder, to make us to be thrown into an awesome awe of God. He did not just say babies, he said sucklings. To tell you that when he said babies, he wasn't talking about, you know, if an adult, you know, an aged father can call his 23-year-old daughter a baby. Oh, that's that's all right, because of course the father is very old, and then the child will always be the child. And so, so that you will not think that the thing that David was revealing here by the Holy Ghost, he's talking about, oh, maybe a father or oh, calling an adult child, oh, my, my baby is back home. No, it is not a matter of that. He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, people that are not yet able to even decide on their own, out of those weak elements, God not God did not just ordain grace, he ordained strength. I read from verse 3, when I, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visit, that, that thou visit, 
him. It is good for you once in a while to practice meditation. And let me tell you something. There are some people who will tell you it's okay to meditate on, you know, on online. It's okay to, to meditate on butterflies. It's okay to meditate on maybe some maybe a concept in the world. That's fine. It's not bad. But let me tell you this. The best form of meditation is to wonder, to become lost in the vastness of God's majesty. Let me tell you why. When you are when you are plunged into the vastness of God's body, like David said here, it does something in you on the inside. Number one, it commands you to be humble. No matter the amount of earthly assets that you have, if you spend time on the word of God to dwell upon the vastness of God. This is a king here talking. This is not a servant. This is not a poor man who doesn't have access to money, who doesn't have money to buy his temptations. This is a king who has access to all the military, all the munitions, all the wealth of a whole nation. And he's, he had the time, he could make up time to wonder, to consider the vastness of God. Now, do you not wonder why God likes and loves David? Are you getting the secret here? Why God will, will prefer David to Saul? Because a person that sits down and is quiet and is just wondering and is paying attention and is listening already is cultivating the spirit of humility. And remember the connectivity of the Bible. The Bible says God resists the proud, but He gives what? He gives grace to the humble. So, Wondering God's vastness helps you to keep humble no matter what level you may attain in, in, in the world, especially at those times when your dreams are coming through, when you are getting in your hand the desires of your heart and it is looking as though you know how to do it. That is the time for you to wonder, to consider the vastness of God, how big God is. The topic that we are considering today is a slice of infinity and it is the second part of the of, of infinity that we that we expounded on at the last week i go to the book of first kings chapter 19 verse 9 in this story in first kings chapter 19 we come to the great prophet elijah and what has happened was this Elijah had concluded the slaughtering, the killing of the, the prophet of Mount Camel. He had also wrought the wonder of God, calling raw fire down. And he earned himself the name there, the prophet of fire. Elijah, the prophet of fire. And after such great work, after such great, after such great might, after such great power, after the majesty of such you know miracle that Elijah had performed, you would expect that oh he was supposed to be so strong and so encouraged, but it was the opposite. Immediately after that time, the, the news of the slaughter of the prophet of Baal reached the queen in in um in the in the land, the wife of Ahab, Jezebel, and 
Jezebel all said she was going to do everything she could to make sure that she, she kills Elijah. And out of awe, out of fear, let me use the word, out of fear, Elijah began to run away and begin to, you know, run elder scatter. And it was not just a matter of running elder scatter. I'm going to give you the background to what I want to read in the book of First Kings, chapter 19. It wasn't just that Elijah started running away. A time came that he, he, he plunged into an emotional trauma that he was tired of everything. And that was the time when the angel of God in 1 Kings chapter 19 started encouraging him when he was under the juniper tree in 1 Kings 19 verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, Behold, then an angel of the Lord touched him, Elijah, and said unto him, Arise and eat. And then, when he arose to eat, something powerful happened to Elijah in First Kings chapter 19. I read from verse 10, and he said, Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the, for the children of Israel are forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah was complaining, was talking to God and saying, I don't even know what I can do now. I am, I am, in other words, he's saying, I'm tired, I'm the only person left, and I am the only person left. They are going to seek, they are seeking my life to kill me. Respond to Elijah in words. After all, Elijah was merely speaking to God. But you know, sometimes when we are expecting God in the sovereignty, in the sovereignty of his will, in the sovereignty of his power, sometimes we are expecting God to talk, but he responds with fire. Sometimes they expect him to talk, but he responds with an act to show his supremacy and his power. In verse, in verse 11, and he said, God said to Elijah now, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. This was God's response to Elijah. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in it, in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after this, the fire, a still small voice. In the midst of the majesty display, in the midst of all the display of power and might of God, supremacy, of the Lord God Almighty. The Bible says in verse 13, and it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entry in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice, not a display of power, not the breaking of the mountain, the vastness and the infinity of God. In the midst of all this, you would expect that, oh, a the God that is able to, to shatter mountains, to break you know, in pieces rocks, and to break fire down, that must be the great power of God. Do you know that some of the mighty displays that you see around, 
that we see around in our day, in this age, are not the true expressions of God's presence. Do you know that some of the miraculous events that happen in, in, in assemblies today, in places of worship, are not necessarily the expression that God is there. The presence of God, the manifestation of God, the true you know, expression, character of God, may be found in a little church that is that just has you know, you know wood to patch their church. I'm telling you this. Why? Oh, because we are seeing something here that in the midst of great power here, the infinity of God, the, the, the vastness of God, God can choose little things over mighty things over and over again. And in our world, God has done that repeatedly. In the Bible time, God has done that repeatedly, choosing little things, choosing insignificant things, hallelujah. Choosing things that you would expect that, oh, how can a great God be this simple? How can a great God, somebody who has power to shatter the mountains, who has power to break the rocks, who has power to cause an earthquake and fire, how will he choose to be present in a small, still voice? There are so many people today that they have been used to, they have, they have, they have developed themselves to be used to only lofty, lofty things. And it's good, actually. It's good. But there's a place in the Bible that says, Seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. And you wonder, why will God say I great things for myself? Oh, because God himself sometimes expresses himself in little things. Little things. When Jesus was going to spend all night to pray, to appoint the apostles, you would expect that he was going to pick the best of the best in town. He went ahead and picked people that did not even go to school. There were people there that went to school. There were Pharisees there that went to school. And by the power of Jesus, he could convert them if he wanted the Pharisees to become his people. But he chose to use little people who were not even in the middle class. They were not even in the middle class. They were supposed to be in the maybe the lowest class of the town. They were fishermen, for God's sake. Fishermen, they didn't even have money to say they want to attend events or parties. I'm sure that that marriage, that that marriage in Cain of Galilee, that Peter and all the others went, because Jesus was there. If Jesus was not there, what would Peter be doing in the marriage of Cain and Galilee? But God, in the beauty of his infinity, will choose to use things that are not even significant. And uh, let me tell you something today. Maybe you're there and uh, all of your life, you have been waiting to appreciate yourself until you become big. You don't appreciate the little steps that God has helped you to take. Oh God, you don't appreciate the little things that God has helped you to achieve. You, you, you're waiting, you're waiting that it's until the big testimony comes, it's until the big story comes, it's until my name is in Forbes. What if God does not pay attention to those people who their names is in Ford? I mean Forbes. What are the people that got what are the people that 
catches God's attention. And he's doing with that little boy over there and he's spending time to pray for the neighbor. Or maybe the person that catches God's attention is that little person there who will give Jesus his lunch. What if the thing that catches the impression that impresses God right there is that little sacrifice that you that you that you pay to spend the last amount on you to care for somebody else's lunch, somebody else's food? What if it is those little things? that the infinity of God appreciates. But you there, you don't appreciate yourself. You don't thank God for the things, for the little things that he has done for you. You don't jump up and be excited and elated as to the things that God has done for you. You're waiting for the big testimonies to come. Oh God, I read from the book of Romans chapter 11, Verse 33, Paul the Apostle gives us a vivid dimension. It got a time when Paul was talking about the plan of salvation of God. The beautiful plan of salvation of God. And Paul the Apostle got a point. He didn't even know what to say again. I could imagine when he was penning down those things in the prison, the letter to the, to the, to the people of Rome, when he was you know, writing it down. I could imagine when the words were gushing out from him as he was writing as the expression of God was coming to him in Romans chapter 11 verse 33. And when Paul was talking about the salvation of Israel, he got to a time in verse 33, Paul said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again, for of him, of God, and through him, through God, and to him, to God, are all things to whom be glory forever and amen, and forever and ever. Let me tell you something too. As I round off, the beauty of God. The Bible says God has chosen the foolish things. Another word for that foolish is little things. The beauty of God's infinity sometimes dwell in little things. Saul was sent to destroy the Amalekites. And Samuel had come to him and delivered the message of God. Go and destroy the Malachites. Destroy everything in them. And you would wonder, do you know what it means to go and fight? It is a total risk of life because Saul could have died in that battle. Did you, you, you know that? They could have, they could have, that could have been the end of Saul. So he risked his life to go and obey that instruction. Do you know that with the big things that Saul did, he risked his life, his soldiers, the people that went with him there to slaughter the Amalekites, risking their life. They could almost, they could even die there. When they came back from the slaughter, you would expect God to be concerned and saying, oh, Saul, if I thank you, if I, you, you tried, 
you for you to even risk your life to go to Amalek, oh, you must have that's a risk of life, big thing. God was interested in the little part of that instruction that he gave Saul, which is this I told you to wipe out everything, not many things. God was saying, you are looking at the macro level. So, you are concerned about the macro items, the, the big things. You are concerned about how big your conquest has been. And God is saying, so, that's good of you, but I am God and I am infinite. And sometimes I dwell on the little, little details. I want you to look at yourself and look at your, your life and I want you to take for instance what are the little things that you are not taking note look the infinity of God sometimes like I mentioned dwells with little things the Bible says in Psalms I showed you chapter 8 out of the mouth of babes and the sucklings God has ordained strength that's a very deep paradox how do you ordain strength from babies and sucklings? That's not, it doesn't follow logic. It's only God that does that. I took you to the book of First Kings chapter 19 and I showed you there how God manifested, you know, how there was earthquake, there was fire, there was, you know, mountain being crushed down, but God was not there. God was in the small, still voice that spoke to Elijah. Then I brought you to the book of Romans to see the balance of the scriptures in the coalition between the Old and the New Testament. How Paul said, how unsearchable are God and his wisdom. The infinity of God is always amazing to us. But the more we dwell in appreciating how big he is, the more we see ourselves and we pray the prayer that John prayed when he saw Jesus. He must increase and I must decrease. It is not a prayer to curse yourself. It's an appreciation of the vastness of God and how little and minute you are. I will conclude with the answers that God gave Job in the book of Job. From different parts of the book of Job, Job has been asking questions. Because he was angry, he wanted to meet with God. There was even a time he said, oh, I wish I can see God. And I was going to ask him questions. I was going to challenge him and ask him what I have done to deserve this height of the, the kind of calamities that God has brought, me, has brought me through. But it came to a point that God was going to answer Job. Like I told him, Sometimes we ask God questions. And let me tell you this anyway. I think it's not even a matter of sometimes we ask God. I think every time God lost to express his majesty every time. You know, the Bible says he has raised his, his, his word. I have, his, 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 his word is higher than his name. Let me tell you this. The power of God displayed is a good thing. So if you are praying to God, and you are asking God, you are knocking the door, you are praying, saying, God, open this door, open this door. 
Which one would you prefer? For God to just talk to you or for him to simply display his power? You can pick one. I actually think that I praise power because his power is also his answer. But sometimes God even leaves the realm of his power and he engages us in the conversation. Let me tell you something. If God engages us in the conversation with this, with the limited information that we have access to, the limited, you know, things that we have access to, do you think human beings have the brain power, the intelligence to dialogue with God, to talk with God? Let's see here. When Job had been asking God all those questions in chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 5, all those questions, asking God questions back to back, saying, you know, this and all the verse 38, God wanted to answer. I mean, chapter 38 of Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the wild wind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I was talking to Job. And God told Job, he said, Grab up now thy Lord like a man, for I will demand of you. I will now ask you, and you must answer me. And the first question God asked Job was this, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? The second question God asked God, and that, that God asked Job is this, Who who, me- who laid the measures of the world? If you know it, tell me. The third question, where upon, where are the foundations that the earth has been laid? And I conclude and anchor this subject discourse of today to throw the challenge to skeptics and atheists. The Bible just provide an account of the creation story. No, that's not all. That's just a part of it. The Bible also gives the direct owner, the person who owns the copyright of the earth. If the Bible just gave the story of the creation of the world, that would have been a good thing. Very good. But the Bible didn't stop there. Somebody needs to take responsibility you know that in our world today when you you know several businesses are listed on google if you just google a business you can find a business there some websites that's what they do they gather the app you know gather information and then they list your business but those businesses until you the founder or the owner goes to those platforms to own it it to be available for anybody to lay claim, hold on. And God is very wise. And so the Bible was not just compiled with information of the creation of the world. No, the Bible also contains who actually created the world. And there are questions about children that only parents can answer because they were the ones who were there. They know that child. There are questions about the universe that till tomorrow, science, philosophy will never be able to answer. Why? Because they didn't create it. They were not there. And this 
is one of those questions. God asked Job these questions to challenge the limitless, the limitations of his knowledge as a human being. And as we come to this conclusion today, I, I hope that you have picked your part. I want you to go to the Lord in prayer and begin to commit yourself to him now, to ask him. I don't know which part of the subject discussed today you have picked and applied to your life, but I want to give you the chance now to commit those parts to God in prayer. I hope you're praying now. I'm still in prayers. I'm still going to pray for you, but I want you to pray. I want you to pray too. Which of the parts have you been limiting God? Have you been overlooking little, little things that God has been telling you? And you're waiting until you get the big news, until you get to the big point, until you get to the big position. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, God has ordained his strength. God bless you as you're praying there. Are you asking God for the grace to make out time to wonder at his creation? I've told you, when you wonder at the vastness of God, it works something in you, humility. It makes you humble. It makes you humble. And God hates those who are proud, proud of their beauty. They forget that whatever beauty they have is just a slice of God's infinity. Some of the people who are proud of, oh, their intelligence. Some of the people are proud of their wealth and riches. They forget that David was also rich and he could still wonder at the infinity of God, the vastness of God's power. Let me pray with you now. Father, I thank you for your people this day. Thank you for their patience. Thank you for their consistencies. Thank you for how you've always helped them to come here. Father, I pray now, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, whatever is the part of this message that has touched your people, Lord, give them the grace to live the life that goes with it, obedience in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that in every area of their lives, O oh God, let them find you. Let them find the display of your supremacy, of your power in the name of Jesus. Do not let, O oh God, our lives be void of your power display in the name of Jesus. Especially when the enemy is trying to vaunt themselves, where the enemy is trying to express how big they are, God, let your people find your power over, supreme, over the power of the devil in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the answered prayers. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening or watching. Don't forget to share this content. We know that your first priority is to your local church, but if you feel led to support our gospel effort financially, please check the description for details. God bless you.